Hey everyone out there, this is The Fool. We are on hiatus until next month. So here are some shows that we previously recorded and we hope that you enjoy. So be safe, keep your eyes out to the sky, and enjoy the apocalypse. Hola, ¿cómo está? Está bien. What does the sign say? Trust no one. Oh, yeah, okay, got it. <laughs> This is episode number 29. Hello, this is the one and only Alvin Shia. Welcome back. We missed you. And also, at the end of this episode, we have a very special message from, yeah, you guessed it, Little Orphan Annie. For her secret society members. So make sure everyone you know is joining our Patreon page right now. Hurry. Don't go anywhere. It's about to get real in here. So just lay back and chill. Get naked even. And cleanse your mind, body, and soul for the next 17 minutes. Here are your hosts, LaFool and A. Let's have a knockdown drag out fight, shall we? Sure. Swing first. <laughs> That's not how a good fight goes. Sure does. You never throw the first punch. You wait to see what the other one has. Have you ever watched the movie Tombstone? No. Doc Holliday says to Ringo, say when. Start swinging. I'm waiting for you. I'm in the defense. <laughs> this is going to be the dullest show ever because you have two people who are like too smart to throw the first punch. I could throw the first punch, but then it'd be a one-punch knockout, and that wouldn't be very fun. Well, go on then. I only hit ladies with flowers. Matter of fact, I don't even hit ladies with flowers. <laughs> In some jurisdictions, that would probably still be seen as some kind of criminal activity. Technically, if you hit somebody with flowers, and still considered assault. <laughs> Great. I once saw Verma Supreme cover somebody with pixie dust. Glitter. That's about as close as you can get to not being assault. And I still think they wanted to charge him for that. Oh, yeah, no doubt. There's any number of reasons to try to charge people with things these days, which is incredibly tiring and overwhelming. That's the system that we live in. That's Babylon. Take him to court, take the money and call it a day. Enough about assault with items like flowers and uh, it looks like you're covered with uh, what is this stuff called? Dust. How is the dust out there? Is it dusty? I don't know. I don't go outside. I keep forgetting that part. Who was that guy? He owned Boeing. He made the big bird. Howard Hughes. I once saw this video where Howard Hughes was so freaked out that he even had a problem with dust. 
Oh, poor guy. I know. He sees little particles in the air and it drove him crazy. I don't know if it's a mental illness, but certainly a mental condition. Do you think we'll be in isolation that long? Shh, quiet, look at that. What is it? What, what do you see? Dust. It's dust. It's selling. No, because in general, we're not so confined that we can't go out and buy groceries or pick something up or drop something off. There are plenty of people who still go to jobs and they're just taking extra precaution. I don't think we'll go crazy. Are we now in a global village? Can everything be done from your house for the most part? You can have food delivered. That's easy. Who's growing the food and who's slaughtering the animals? All that can be done by automation. All the food can be grown by automation. In the not so distant future, I think the days of slaughtering animals will go away. We can get our protein from larvae. We can eat grasshoppers. We can eat locusts. That kind of creeps people out. In general, I think we imagine eating the whole animal itself as opposed to grinding it up or making it a little less spiny and insecty. That might freak them out. Now, believe me, there's going to be a generation that's going to get burned. Like when you make a pancake, you know, you get the pan right, that first pancake kind of gets, it's no good. That's going to be a generation. The first generation that has to eat that is going to be like, this sucks, but you know what? Their kids going to be like, this stuff is great. And after a while, they'll have three or four generations. It's all they'll ever have known, and it won't make a difference anymore. Right. That's true. The idea of eating an actual living animal will be almost repulsive to them. Like, how could people have eaten a poor pig? Pigs are so smart. That's just a matter of a cultural norm that we've become adjusted to that's fed into our mind through the media. Got milk or have steak or eat some chicken or sushi. Well, I don't know about sushi. Sushi might be around for a while. Even how we dress in clothing. I think the day will come when we will have 3D printers that make our outfit each day out of a very light material. And when you're done with it, you put it into a big pot. At the end of the week, you just eat everything that you have. You know, you cook it up and... You just toss it in with your larva. Add a couple of cockroaches right there and some nicely seasoned locust with a little bit of garlic salt. What is the one food that you won't be able to live with if the whole diet series system changed? Nothing comes to mind. So you're going to be good eating larva? No, but that doesn't have anything to do with the other question. You're not going to look back and say, man, I wouldn't mind having some macaroni and cheese with these locust legs. <laughs> Got to have that. I need macaroni and cheese. That's one of my staples. I love mac and cheese. I'd want to keep enchiladas. Yeah, we can agree on that. We can keep enchiladas too. I think enchiladas and mac and cheese. (laughs) The world is changing in ways that we're not going to understand for some time, I don't think. And yes, we may be eating different kinds of food from different sources. We may be wearing different clothes. We may be working from places that we hadn't expected to work. That's all just kind of window dressing. Like you're on the merry-go-round and you see different things as you go by. You have different experiences as you go by. Is any of that truly important to our existence? Why are we focused on the tangible sort of mundane things? Why are we not talking about the magical, spiritual? We live in a place where Madonna came up with a song called Material Girl, talking about all the things you have to have right now. If you watch the movie The Matrix, one of the things that they point out is once you get a certain age, you can't get out of The Matrix. I think our society is the same way. We raise people to believe these set ideals and have a certain value system. You think we're too far gone? If you're over the age of five or six, yep, call it a wrap. 
So basically just carry on worrying about your appearance or the food that you eat or the car that you drive or the place that you live or the job that you have or the money that's in the bank. Kind of all those things that Joe Rogan likes to worry about. I'm not sure what Joe Rogan's got to do with this, but in my personal viewpoint of all this, I think that once you get past about the age of nine or 10, popping someone out of the matrix is going to be very difficult task and you risk them not adjusting well. Let's say, for example, I would love to go to Tanzania. I don't mean living in a nice house. I would want to have enough revenue stream that I can go and live out there with the Maasai, live out in the Serengeti. And while they're hunting lions all day long, I'll make sure we have a food source. I'll make sure that we have ample water and I'll spend my day hunting with them. Now, I don't need clothes anymore. I don't need television anymore. If I know for sure that I'm going to feed the tribe. We're now hunting because it's what we do. They still hunt baboons. And that's all that really matters. It's a whole different lifestyle now, you know? No, I'm not worrying about shoes or the base. I'm not even thinking about macaroni and cheese. You know what? I probably would think about macaroni and cheese. I'm not going to lie about that one. You probably would. My point being is that once you're in that lifestyle, now for me, it's going to be difficult. Like I'm not used to walking for, you know, eight hours a day hunting something down. But if I took a seven-year-old out there with me and after about a week or two out there, he would adapt real fast. And after about a year or two out there, he'd be doing really well. And after about three years out there, he'd be leading the crew. And so I just think it's hard for us to get out of city life. I've been in Tanzania before and worked out there. It's an altered lifestyle. When you're out here and live in the city and then you're out there living in a tent village, you know, it's tough. And you're only doing that temporarily for like 90 days or so, and then you come back here. I just think that that's human nature. I don't think that we're anything special. I think all people do it. Do what? You get comfortable with the situation that you're in. You get comfortable living in your own little matrix. How hard do you think it would be for them to come out and live in this world? It'd be pretty overwhelming is my guess. So it's the same thing. Is it a big deal? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. So I think once we get caught in our own little matrix, our own little worlds, I just think the older you get, the harder it is to get out of it. Which is why this pandemic seems so difficult for people. You know, this is a big change of pace. You don't have the clubs to go to, the parties to go to. You're not hanging out with your friends. You're not going to this or that. You're in isolation. And I don't think a lot of people are adapting well to it. Why do you think that's so difficult for people? Like everything I just finished explaining, it's you're used to the set matrix, what you've been taught, what you've been learned, a simple system. We're simple creatures. Humans are not that complicated. They get into their little rut and you got to leave them in that rut. Most people don't even leave what more than what, two or three miles from their house, 20 miles tops. Every time that you move to a new location that is considered one of the highest levels of post-traumatic stress that you can inflict upon a human being. Once you get set, I think it's hard for you to, to get out of the matrix. And you know what's even harder, I think, strangely enough? I think it's even harder getting back into it. I think once you leave, it's hard to get back into that. In the movie Matrix, a guy named Cypher wants to get back into the Matrix, and he's like, wipe my memory out. I don't think you can remember your old ways and adopt back. That's what happens to a lot of guys that are in the military. They get used to being in, a, in the combat zone, and when they come back to the old Matrix, they can't adjust, and they lose it, and they don't do well. 
So I think it's a problem just adjusting out of our circles once you get past a certain age. That's just my thought about it. What's yours? I do think that it's a comfort issue, whatever is easiest and comfortable. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It wouldn't have been programmed into us if it didn't serve. I do think that there is a problem for people when they're challenged, like right now, when people are still on quarantine and in lockdown, where you're being asked to change all of your rhythms and routines, and nothing is quite familiar anymore, and it feels disconcerting. I do think that when people are challenged on a more psychological or spiritual level to see themselves for what they are, it can be very, very frightening. And it's certainly a, a lot easier to avoid having to do that if you can go shopping or go out to a restaurant or hang out with a friend. Anything to kind of stay away from your own mind. And it's sort of turned into our culture and our civilization and the engine that runs our economy. Yeah, that's true. I want to try an experiment. I think we're going to go over a little bit on this podcast. And the only reason why is to show you how much people get into a comfort zone. So the show is 17 minutes, which is usually 17 minutes on the dot. But this one's going to go over. And people are going to be like, what, what, what happened? Why'd you guys go over? Oh my God, they went over on this one. And you'll see people get so used to a certain set comfort zone that even something about going over a little bit on a podcast is hard for them to grasp. And that is in the matrix. Imagine popping them out and being on the Serengeti. Popping them out of the Matrix straight to the Serengeti? They're going to get eaten in a second. Well, neither do one thing. <laughs> you got to help them out. I will. Take note. If you wake up and you find yourself on the Serengeti, remember this one thing. Run. Run. And that's it. They'll be okay. Everybody will be happy. That's all you got to do. But they haven't gone through the whole recuperation period with all the electrodes and everything. Like, they're not going to be able to run. <laughs> when they see that baboon coming after them or that lion, trust me, something brand new is going to kick into their system. It's called adrenaline. And they're going to be able to run like a deer, like an antelope. I think part of the problem that Neo had was that he didn't have any musculature, and that's what all of those electrodes were doing. So you can have all the adrenaline you want, but if you don't have muscles, <laughs> I don't think you're going to go anywhere. Yeah, you're right. It might be a very valid point. Here's the deal. If you're going to be the spiritual guide, teacher, master, leader, whatever you want to call yourself, you have to consider the condition and the circumstance of the person that you are leading, guiding, teaching. And yes, you want to always challenge them, but you don't want to challenge them necessarily on day one to the death. All right. Well, I'll be your leader, teacher, whatever, even though I'm just a simple fool. But I'll make this very clear. When you get in the Serengeti, if you see trouble, run. Run back to our last rally point and we'll figure the rest out from there. <laughs> That's all I gotta say about that. <laughs> that was a fun conversation. Excellent. All right, we'll talk more later. And if I don't see you, 
anytime soon and we wake up and roam the Serengeti. Run. For all of you in the Orphan Annie Secret Circle, did everybody around you join our Patreon? I, I think you missed somebody. Pretty sure you did. So for now, here's a partial message. Nice effort, so keep up the good work, drink your Ovaltine, and stay tuned for further instructions. You're getting so close. Hang in there. Yours truly, A. Please like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash 17 minutes podcast. If you're enjoying this show, please share it with your friends and family. This podcast wouldn't be possible without the support of our sponsors. They're listed on our website and social media. Check them out. The most important thing I could say now that later may be true, the light at the end of the tunnel, may be you. Good night, everyone.